Well, here we are again in Second uh, Peter. Um, this portion of Second Peter is sometimes a little bit difficult to stomach uh, because it is about this portion, anyways. It's about judgment and condemnation on those people who are doing you wrongly, in particular, false teachers, false teachers. Um, And so this next portion that we're talking about uh, has to do with false teachers um, and their punishment. So if you are not a false teacher, which I don't know anybody in here that is a false teacher, uh, then... uh, then this is not your worry. My worry, not worry like, "Ah," but my concern, if you will, is that you never would be entangled by a false teacher. And so from that point of view, and that is Peter's point of view, that uh, I I, want to do whatever I can to keep you out of those hands because... It just leads to disaster. And it leads to disasters to the false teachers. And those who follow them and are convinced by them and and led away from the Lord. You have a similar lot. So that's just the way it is. I, I, I mean, I'll give you the scriptures and I'll be preaching the scriptures. And they'll be on the screen for you to look at. So this is not what I'm saying. This was Peter saying And he, Peter, he is substantiating what he is saying with the happenings in the Old Testament, at least four of them. So he's saying, this is not going to escape these false teachers. This is going to happen to them. It happened back then. And as a a confirmation, and as it says in one of the verses, as an example to those who would decide to live ungodly lives, that is to say, lives Without God. Okay? There's a difference between doing an ungodly act and living an ungodly life. Yes? You you, you get it? Okay? As a Christian, in a a weak moment, you do maybe an ungodly act. But an ungodly life is a life without God entirely. And so, this is is part of it. So... uh, I, I, I guess I looked at my notes a little bit extra today because there's so much, uh, uh, and maybe it is too much, and if it's too much, then I'll just cut it down and, and we'll, we'll go home, and then next week we'll do some more. Um, yes. Uh, many people have a hard time handling warnings. Yes? Many people do. Uh, and I would say rebellious people, uh, adults that are rebellious or they don't want to know. But also I have noticed that young people in particular, not that they are rebellious, some are, but I'm not speaking about rebelliousness here. I'm just speaking about they don't want to hear it. Have you ever heard the expression, whatever? Okay. And I have always been glad for warnings. Because they have kept me out of trouble. My dad warned me one time. I've never wanted to do drugs. Never. But my dad, when I lived in Amsterdam, and a lot of Americans came to Europe, and Amsterdam in particular, because everything goes in Amsterdam. Uh, They slept in parks. They slept at central stations, train stations. They were everywhere. And it was life was in those days. There was even a book out. Life for $5 a day in, in Europe. Um, so the Americans came and they were do, doing plenty of drugs because it was easy over there. Nobody bothered you too much. And it was not really the heavy drugs at that time. But anyways, my dad knowing about that, in my home country when I lived in Amsterdam, an ocean away, he wrote me a letter. And he says, son, I want to warn you that drugs is the thing that will put your life going south in a hurry. 
It will destroy your life. And I would be very disappointed if you ever would do drugs. Well, I never wanted to do drugs. And if I, but if I had had the idea to do drugs, that killed it right there because my dad warned me. I respected my dad to no end. And so the idea even that I would do drugs to disappoint him would kill me. So I didn't. And, but I, 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 I was interested in the warning. I took the warning and I heeded it. Uh, and so it is important that when we get a warning, that we measure the warning and see if it is a legitimate warning or not. Don't just throw it out. Now, when the Lord, the Holy Spirit, warns us through his apostle Peter, then that is always a legitimate warning. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, I want to be clear, though, that if you are a Christian, most of this doesn't apply to you. If you are a believer, you will be led astray if you entangle yourself with a false teacher. But if you're a Christian, this doesn't apply to you, except you're going to have a very defeated and um, disastrous life that you're going to live here on earth. But your soul will be eternally saved because you are a Christian. You have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So I'm saying all these things because sometimes when you are teaching and you are teaching about false teachers and you're going on for a while, pretty soon people are thinking, wow, that is me. It may be or may not be. Are you with me? Um, So I got a call from my oldest son uh, this week, Joshua, and he's a pastor senior pastor in a church in San Antonio. They just changed the names to something cross over or cross something. So I don't recall the name. It used to be Harvest, but now they changed the name. So it it has a different name, and I don't recall it. It was two two weeks ago or something like that. So he's a senior pastor, and he called me this week. He says, I had lunch with someone, and I gave him Ezekiel 33, dead, like you did with me when I was a young man. And like I did, I listened courteously, but I received it casually. I didn't really heed it that, that well. But, but now that I am a watchman myself, I gave those warnings that you gave me, Dad, and I appreciate the warnings that you gave me. I want you to know It counted, and it made a difference, and now it makes a difference in other people's lives, whether they receive it right then or not. So, can we look at Ezekiel 33, verses 1 through 6, real quick? Then I gave you a little bit of a flavor of what what that was about. Ezekiel, is that working? Anyways. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, we're going to do one through six. Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. So somebody's chosen to be the watchman. Okay. Three, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people. So this is the scenario. This watchman sees trouble coming. Yes? Are you following me? He sees trouble coming. Uh, and, and, oh, wait a second. Can you go back? When he sees trouble, the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people. So, the scenario is that he is warning the people. He's, the watchman And he warns the people, trouble is coming. Then 4 says this. Then, whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, so you hear the warning, but you don't take the warning. You don't take heed. If the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. 
If trouble comes, you heard the warning, but you don't t- take heed to the warning, and you get hurt, that is on you. Verse 5. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take the warning. His blood shall be upon himself. Are you following? Yes? You following? Okay. But he, he who takes warning will save his life. The person who heeds the warning, they will save their life because they heeded the warning. Yes? Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet... What kind of watchman is that, huh? Well, it's important to bring it up because that is part of who a watchman is. He's supposed to warn the people. What kind of, war, what kind of pastor are you if you are not warning the people? When Peter says right there, this is some of the stuff that is coming That is already here because he said that 2,000 years ago. So there are already four teachers around. And last week, or maybe the week before, last week I think it was, I gave you some examples of, you know, uh, David Koresh, and I gave you the examples of Jim Jones, and there are countless more going on even right now. And I'm not talking even about, you know, satanic gatherings. You know, just, just recently a church opened in, in Houston. It's called the Church of Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw it. I see you guys are getting closer to each other. That's all good and stuff, but <laughs> I, I, I raised the temperature a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't want you to be too familiar, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's possible. I, I, I must admit it's possible that my eyes will deceive me. So, if, then it says that if the watchman sees trouble coming, but he doesn't blow the trumpet, so, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will, requ- will I require the Lord at the watchman's hand. This one is on the watchman. Okay? But now, what I want you to see also is that because the watchman didn't warn, somebody got hurt. Even though it is on the watchman, still the person got hurt. So, so I'm bringing that to bear in saying that when a false teacher comes on the scene, he's not going to come over here because as long as I'm a pastor, there's no false teacher coming here. I can't guarantee you that. Um, because the Lord has given me discernment and it's not going to happen. Plain and simple. Um, where was I? So, he, he doesn't warn and, uh, uh, because when, when the false teachers come on the scene and he's teaching stuff, and you get swayed by that person, by that stuff. It is on him, but you still get hurt in the process. You follow what I'm saying? So you're not exempt all of a sudden just because it is on him. It is also on you because you have brains and you have decisions to make. Yes? Okay. Okay. Um, so I was so glad to see that my son now has become a watchman himself as well. So let us look at the scriptures. We, last week, we talked through verse 3a, chapter 2, verses 3a. So we'll start at 3b right now. So it it talks about here about the punishment of the false teachers. Um, Let me first throw another one, another thing at you that I did last, last week already. That is to say, you have to be careful and you have to have discernment about false teachers. 
a false teacher is not somebody who disagrees with you. Could be, but not necessarily so. A false teacher is not somebody who is immature in his Christianity and his Christian understanding and therefore teaches some things maybe a little bit the wrong way, but he's, he's, he's right on the big things. Uh, he, 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 he loves Jesus, but some things he, he doesn't have an understanding yet, and he's teaching it on that basis. He is not a false teacher. Could be, but he's not. Um, a false teacher is not somebody who is from a different political party than you. Okay? Uh, could be, but not necessarily so. A false teacher is someone who teaches the scripture on the big issues different than the scripture says. For even, we saw last week, even denying Jesus Christ. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, that is about as big a red flag as there is. Okay? So, somebody is denying Jesus Christ. I'm going to John's church, and uh, he's denying Jesus Christ. I investigate a little bit with the other members of his church. Hey, is this, is this really true? Is this the preaching that he does? Yes, I run. But first investigate a little bit because you might be mistaken. Yeah, you just heard one sermon, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, uh, don't, don't go there. And do not call somebody a false teacher readily. You better be sure. This is a, as about a great, as great a defamation as there is in Christian circles as far as I'm concerned. That you are a false teacher. So, now, 3B. Now we are at today's sermon. 3B. Uh, so 3A says, by covetousness, he's talking about the false teachers, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words, smooth talk, for a long, for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. That's 3B. My, I don't know why my light is it's light and it's not showing very well there. But we're reading now, for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Let's look at the first portion of their judgment has not been idle. These are talking about the false teachers and some of the followers that are, are buying into what the, follow, what the false teachers are teaching that are not believers. Their punishment, their judgment has been coming. Their judgment is on the way. It is an active word. It is a word that says it is already in motion. It is not hiding someplace, their judgment. And then all of a sudden, boom, appears. It is already and has been on the way. It is active. It is not dormant. It is on the way. So that I, I, I say, Lord, give me a, an illustration but it's so I, I, I can get it. And, and he brought to my mind, it is like downloading. Oh, thank you. Which one? Okay, there we go. It's, thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah, better. better. Awesome, awesome. Um, so it's been on the way. It's not like God is not aware. God is, knows exactly. And he is sending the punishment on the way. The judgment is on the way. It is, it is, the, the judgment is not ignorant of what is going on. But it, it's fixing to do its work. So why do you think that God is not hammering them right now? Can, can you put on 3.9? I, I know I have it later in the sermon. 2 Peter 3.9. There you go. Uh, it is because... 3.9. Three, 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 nine, chapter 3. I just want you to see what's going on. Because God is 
not pleased with false teachers. He is harsh with false teachers. This loving God is harsh with false teachers. But hoping that, does he love false teachers? He loves them. And hoping because of his long suffering, waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping that they might still turn, that they might still repent and come to Jesus Christ. That is his strongest longing. But often, they don't do it. Their attention, their mind is already warped. Their mind is already made up. And they cannot hear their antennas are rusty. They cannot hear the voice of the Lord. And they, they just go their own lost, desperate, evil, wicked way. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Oops. I, I, uh, uh, chapter, there we go, Second Peter. I know how these computers work. Uh, you know, electronics, they work just perfectly fine until you need them. Man. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've spoken somewhere and everything was fine. We even practiced and we, we, we tried it out. Hey, everything is wonky-dory. Uh, oops. No worky. <laughs> Uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, he is waiting, longing, that some of these people would repent and give them time to show him, to show them his mercy. But many of them don't buy into it. And then we'll see where they go. So, all right. And then, uh, can we go back to, sorry about it, Second Peter chapter 2, and then uh, 3b once again. 3b. Okay. For a long, long time, long time, the judgment has not been idle. It has not been idle. For a long time. It has been coming. God is, and the destruction does not slumber. The destruction is not asleep. It is awake. It is aware. It talks about that, about destruction. This is no fear tactic. This is the truth. This is not just, see, sometimes I get tired of, of, of this stuff. This is not fun thing things to preach on. But in a, a real way, it is because I know people that have been swayed by false teachers. And there was nothing good. When 900 people follow Jimmy Jones to South America, the jungle of South America, for the utopia that he's promising them, and all they find is a forced suicide. My dear brothers and sisters, this is, this is something ugly about this picture. And when you see the documentaries, they are ugly. And I'm thinking to myself, so many people were duped. So many people were duped. Anyways. And then verse 4 says this. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them, and that's what it means, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgments. Let's just talk about that just a little bit. So it says, for, so he's going to give us the reason. He's going to give us the reason, and then now he's making the case. And the word if over there is that little word if over there that is often used, translated in the uh, King James Version as if, but it, should, it, it is from the Greek, it says, it's, a, it's called a fulfilled condition. So it is, you could better translate it, it is better translated since, or with the, few, with the view of the fact. Okay? So it is not hypothetical. It is actually, this is what is the case. So... Uh, hypothetical is, 
if it rains tomorrow, I can't play tennis. I don't know that it's going to rain tomorrow. Hypothetically, if it's going to rain, okay, then I can't play tennis. But uh, if I know for sure it is going to rain tomorrow, then I say, since it's going to rain tomorrow, as if it already is happening, since it's going to rain tomorrow, then I cannot play tennis. So since this is the case, since God did not spare the angels, you don't think that if you're a false teacher, that you're going to be spared. That's what he's saying. Are you following? Are you reading the same thing I'm reading? Okay. No, no, no disagreement. Uh, that sin, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So these were the angels that you find in Jude, uh, the, the, the epistle just before Revelation. It is just a one-chapter epistle. In Jude, uh, maybe verses 5 and 6 or so, if you read it. And then you find it in Genesis, the sixth chapter also. This, these angels, that the fallen angels that came to earth and married with human beings and caused all kinds of trouble and evil and wickedness, and there were giants in the land because of that. Some people have different ideas about that. Either way, the scripture is clear that God repented of him having created human beings, mankind. And he decided, now I'm sorry, I'm going to the next, to the next example. Let me just stay with the angels. So he, he sent these angels to hell. Hell. People, I don't like to use the word hell. But this is the truth. He sent those angels to hell and to a place, what the scholars call as Tartarus. Tartarus. That is a place. There's another place. There's a place that is Sheol or uh, Hades. And there there is a place called the Abyss. The abyss is a place where angels get sent uh, for a time being before they can roam around again. But in the Tartarus, this one over here, when it says hell, you're not getting out. Check what it says. You get chained in darkness. You get chained in darkness reserved for the judgment. So, when you get chained in the darkness, that's not your judgment. That's just the time you're spending before you get judged. You get reserved there. You get chained down in darkness till the great white throne judgment, at which time they get thrown in the lake of fire. So, as if chaining in darkness was not enough, they get thrown in the lake of fire for forever. So, I always feel like I need to explain a little bit to you and soften the thing a little bit, lest you think, oh, that is me. If you're a Christian, this does not apply to you. You're not going to go in the lake of fire. Hallelujah. This does not apply to you. But the reason why I am so emphatic and why I appreciate Peter, I appreciate Peter anyways, but why I appreciate Peter for this particular is that people need to be warned. And I'm warning you and you say, well, I don't need a warning. Maybe you don't need a warning. But I want you to have some knowledge to warn other people as well. Your brothers and sisters, your family, you know, can you imagine one of your children had gone to South America with Jimmy Jones? So, wouldn't you not pull an Ezekiel 33 on that child and say, don't go. This is not right. He is, he is a false teacher. Don't believe a word he says. He wants your wife. He wants your money.
That's what we saw last week. So that reserved for judgment and to change yourself. Verse 4. So that is the first example he gives us. The angels were not spared. He sent them to hell. Why, why do you think that if you are a false teacher that you're going to be spared? You're not going to be spared. He says, for if, okay, verse 5. And did not spare, so he didn't spare the angels, and he didn't spare Noah, and he didn't spare uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he didn't, and so on and so forth. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So let's, let's, let's see what happened over here. So in verse 4 we saw that the angels were, were uh, delivered to judgment. In verse 5 we see that some were delivered to judgment and some were delivered out of judgment. Who was delivered out of judgment? Noah and his family. Okay? But the rest of the folks, if you know the story, the whole world was killed, was drowned, was, yes, was destroyed. God sent a flood. Let's talk about that first. He did not spare the ancient world, but uh, 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 bringing in, in the flood of the world on the world of the ungodly. So on the ungodly, he brought in a flood. He, the word bring in over there has to do with he unleashed a deluge. God unleashed a deluge. There was rain for 40 days and 40 nights. My dear brothers and sisters, you see what Harvey did in Houston? How long did it rain for that to happen? Huh? About a week? It was less than a week, I think. Was it a week? About four days? Four, maybe five days. I don't know exactly. It really doesn't matter. But it was not 40 days. 40 days and 40 nights rain. That is a lot of water. And he told Noah, let's talk about that first. So, but he was going to save Noah and his family, eight people. Noah was, what does it say about Noah? A preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of the truth. He was a preacher that preached God to the people. Yes? Now, do you remember what scholars say how long it took for the ark to be built? I say again? A hundred? Uh, actually, 120 is the, is, is the going rate. <laughs> it's, the, it's, what, <laughs> it's what people say. Uh, but if, if, even a hundred. But uh, usually you, you read up 120. 120 years it took him to build the ark. He was a preacher of righteousness. Can you imagine a preacher of righteousness who preaches for 120 years and only eight people get saved and one of them is him? So only seven other people were saved. And that was his family. Some people say, well, he was a lousy preacher. That's what we would say. I didn't, he didn't preach with a flip because only eight people got saved, seven besides himself. You know, 120 years, come on, Noah, you can do better than that. No, it was, the way I see it, it was that the people were that evil that in 120 years, they still didn't believe. God sent a flood. They were all gone. But he says, he brings this as an illustration of what is going to happen to the false teachers. And those who are following him in the teaching, not claiming, not taking Jesus as their Savior. And I don't know if one is going to get a worse punishment than the other. They're both bad. But so, here, and he... he he bringing a deluge on the world, on the world of the ungodly. Verse six. 
I, I, there's more for me to share with you, but I, 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 I want to get out of, out of this thing. I don't want to go half-half, 50-50, and then I have to tell you about this again next week. <laughs> this is not fun to preach. But it's a must. I don't like preaching like this. I like to preach about love. God's love. Woo! That's what I like to preach about. The joy of the Lord. Woo! That's what I like to preach on. Faith moves mountains. The victorious life. That's what I like to preach about. But I feel like that God has this, a real place for this. Obviously, he put it in his word, right? I mean, very, you know, terrific point, Kenny, okay? Um, so, uh, but we have to warn the people. We have to be like Ezekiel. God wants us to warn the people. Uh, and turning, so this is the third example now. And turning Zodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemn them to destruction. Making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly. It says a lot over there, but... Let's just see if we can uh, not linger on it too long. Turning the cities of Zodom and Gomorrah into ashes. What did he do? What did God do? Fire and brimstone rained it down. Be careful, be careful, be careful. <laughs> it is fun to have a little fun with it, but it's serious stuff. I mean, if your family was in that group, you know, it, 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 it's serious and sad, sad stuff. Sad, sad stuff. Uh, but he says, this is what he did with Zodom and Gomorrah, condemned them to destruction, making them an example. So God says, you know what? I am going to give the ungodly an example that if you're planning to live ungodly lives, that is life without God, don't go there. Because you won't escape what he did to Zodom and Gomorrah, what he did with ungodly people in Noah's time, and what he did with the angels. You're not going to escape it. And... So he gives us an example, and he says, hey, listen, uh, let me give you an example. Let me, I'm working with you. I, I'm giving you chances. I'm giving you illustrations. I give you uh, warnings, if you will, that you don't go there because it, it is no fun. It is no good. Your future is, is, is shot. Live, go with Jesus. Now, let me just throw a little insert over here real quick. And that is, if you find yourself, let us say, in a cult with false teachers, you're not doomed to this till you die. But in the process, if you hear the word of God, if you get a prompting of the Holy Spirit to receive Jesus Christ, that is your card out. That is your way out. And God has a way of getting his people out like he did with Lot, as we're going to see. And it says over here, example, how about verse 7? It says, and delivered right, righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. He delivered righteous Lot uh, in the King James, in, in my King James, this is, a, this is the new King James. In the old King James, it says, just Lot. And if you're not careful, you would read only Lot. No, that's not what it's saying. Just Lot meaning righteous Lot. Right, lot was a righteous man. And he says that in verse 7, and he says in verse, in verse 8, but many times Lot gets a raw deal from preachers and from even Bible commentators that he was, it is clear that he was a righteous man. Let me ask you this. Do righteous men make mistakes? Hello? Everybody makes mistakes. But Lot was a righteous man. The scriptures are not presenting him as one who, just because he lived in a rotten, filthy, wicked place, 
doesn't mean that, that he was backslidden. But you're, in, your book, in your Bible, it might say, one of the headings might even read, uh, 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 a lot first backsliding, second backsliding, and so on and so forth. But the text itself doesn't represent him that way. And delivered the righteous Lot, who was oppressed. So here, Lot was delivered out of that judgment. Was, was oppressed by the filthy. Oppressed is the idea of he lived with those people, those evil people, and he was oppressed, it says over there. Or you might say he was worn out. It wore on him as it would on you when you live among. But just before, because you live among evildoers doesn't mean that you're an evildoer yourself or that you have backslidden. Maybe God is using you to minister over that to these evil people. They may not take you up on it, but, okay, God gave them a chance. So, uh, oppressed by the filthy conduct, verse 8 says this, and I'm, I'm sort of hurrying up. For that righteous man, there it is again, Lot was his name, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day, day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deed, deeds. So he was living among them. He heard them talk. He saw them act and behave. And he was worn down by it. It wore him out. It wore him out. Uh, spiritually speaking. Maybe even physically. Verse 9 says this. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So you have here two categories that it's speaking of over here. It says that the Lord knows how that his people, those righteous people, those people that know him, he knows how to deliver them out of difficulty, out of temptation. The temptation over here is not necessarily the temptation of an inward temptation to do wrong, but this is more like an outward temptation of people outside that are working on you to let it go, to let it rip, to just give up, whatever. But either way, it doesn't matter that much, but uh, he delivers the godly. My dear brothers and sisters, so here is where I want to uh, maybe camp out just a little bit, that he delivers the godly. If you belong to him, he delivers you out of it. But, and he reserved the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Those who don't know God, they don't have anything good to look forward to unless they come to Jesus. See, I don't preach like that. Peter maybe do it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't preach with threats. But God clearly over here is giving us a threat. Clearly he's saying, I'm giving you an example. Don't go live, don't do an ungodly life. Do a godly life. Amen. If you do an ungodly life, this is the example. The angels, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't escape. Uh, 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 Noah, the people in Noah's time didn't escape. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't escape. Uh, Lot escaped. Noah escaped. It says in the scriptures, when you, read, when you hear the word antediluvian, antediluvian, okay, that is before the flood. It says that before the flood, there were two people that the scriptures speak of that walked with God. That was Enoch and Noah. They walked with God. My dear brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to walk with God. I don't want you, I don't want to invite you just to come to God. Although, that is also an invitation. I want to invite you to come to God and walk with Him. Don't walk by yourself. Walk with Him. I used to walk with Jesus like buddy-buddy. 
Like we're walking on the beach. Ah, isn't it wonderful? Over there? Look at the dunes, Lord. And look at the birds. The, the, hey, here, what do you call those, you call those birds? Seagulls. You know, you feed them a little bit, they come, they come eat it out of your head if you're not careful. But hey, sometimes you try to fool a seagull and you throw a little stone. They don't even, they don't even come. You can't even fool them. Ah, uh, neither here nor there. I just, <laughs> I tried to do it a couple of times. <laughs> Let me see if I can fool a seagull. He wasn't fooled. But I, I love to, and my grandchildren love to throw chips and before you know, they throw pff, a whole deal, like, you know, and they're here by them, you know, the seagulls, they, 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 they love to eat the food. But where was I? I was walking with Jesus on the beach. Lord, look. <laughs> and he took a left there, and I, Lord, where are you? I don't walk with, like him, with, like, with him like that anymore. I walk with him, holding on to him. Lord. Don't make a move without me. Lord, wherever you're going, I'm going. Come here, my sister. Just come walk with me. Come walk with me. Okay? I'm following you. So I put my arm right in here. Okay? You walk, sister. and I'm following you. Okay? There we go. Change direction or something. Maybe I'm following you. You see what I'm saying? Hand in hand, arm in arm, Lord. <clears throat> I don't let you out of my side for a second. I don't want you to make a move without me. I'm right there. Wherever you lead me, that's where I'll go. Do I do it 100% of the time? It is my desire to do it 100% of the time. I don't get to do it 100% of the time, but that's my desire. I don't trust myself one iota. Amen. I just trust him. Amen. Wherever he takes me, that's a good place to go. So I want to encourage you, not just to come to God, but to walk with God. Does that sound a little bit nicer than the previous part of the sermon? <laughs> but, but, you know, you need to be warned. It is not because I fear that you're going to get swayed by a false teacher, but... For people, James says, uh, the enemy tempts us in this, this, and this, and this. And then when you give in to the temptation, it leads to death. And then he goes on to say, be not deceived, my beloved brethren. Be not deceived. And I tell people all the time, the people that think that they cannot be deceived, they are already deceived. Don't have the arrogance to think that you cannot be deceived. Okay? The, the enemy is the master deceiver. So you stick close to Jesus and the Holy Spirit so he doesn't have that, that play on you. Okay? So, uh, so that is why I feel that there is a, a certain amount of joy in me preaching this to you so that you won't be readily deceived. Because what is that, that, uh, that group that, uh, in California that all these movie stars? Huh? Scientologists. Scientologists. I saw a documentary one time that there was some guru that was going to teach people to fly. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making it up. Maybe if you Google it and you say, Guru teaches businessmen to fly, maybe it will pop up. I don't know. This was years ago I saw it. And I was astounded by it. Because why? The businessman... Now let me ask you this question. <laughs> Do you think these businessmen learned to fly? Well, that was half of you maybe, but... No! And then they sued the guru. <laughs> Maybe that's why they signed up, so they would have an opportunity to sue him or something. I don't know. 
But these were businessmen, successful businessmen that were charged an arm and a leg from the guru that was going to teach him to fly. And I'm thinking, how can anybody supposed to be so stupid to think that somebody's going to teach him to fly? But you know what? A number of them signed up. And when they realized, oh, I don't think I'm going to fly. <laughs> they sued him. If I were a judge, I would just laugh at them. <laughs> you thought he was going to teach you to fly? Come on. The suit doesn't work. Yeah, you're out of the, get out of my court. <laughs> so that is why I, I take a certain amount of joy in preaching this to you so that you won't sign up with somebody to, that's going to teach you how to fly. That you don't sign up with somebody that all they want is your money. Investigate a little bit. And when you leave, it is almost like sign up for the mafia. Yeah, they want to kill you. They want to come after you. The, the people couldn't leave the, 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 the jungle with Jimmy Jones. They couldn't leave. They were just a handful that escaped. Or the other ones, if you, if you we went, you got shot. Several got shot. The other ones just gave up and drank the stuff. So, from that point of view is why I take a certain amount of joy in, 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 in sharing this. So you don't get entangled. And you can warn other people who are fixing to get entangled with, with, with those kind of people. So if you know of somebody who wants to sign up to learn to fly... If it wasn't so sad, it'd be funny, I tell you. So, walk with Jesus. Walk with God. The only way, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by me, Jesus speaking. So, he's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to have a relationship with you created, the one that made you, your heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you that if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all your sins are forgiven by him on the cross. He was raised from the dead. If you believe in the dead, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life. You have now a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And the Holy Spirit comes lives within you, and he will teach you and guide you in all the ways of your life as you submit yourself to him. Which then means... That also here on earth, you can have a victorious life as well. 